Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So after a couple of weeks of uh, having topics that are a bit more uh, conceptual and a little bit more topical, I thought it would be fun to dive into something a little bit more technical. Not too technical, don't be afraid if, you're, uh, if you listen to the show but you're not a programmer, uh, but something a bit more in the weeds. And specifically, uh, well, I kind of wanted to talk about code reuse and the degree to which um, it makes sense to take aspects of our, of, of our of our programs and turn them out and you know sort of cut them out and put them into libraries so you know take take a functionality and rather than having it be tailor-made for a particular app trying to make it sort of somewhat more generic or reusable and specifically this is something that i've been really almost i'd say struggling with recently um as i've been working over this summer with my app updates because i'm now in a position where i have a bunch of different apps that largely do they, they have very similar aspects to them at their core but are very different in you know in, in their actual use you know so but most of my apps now all these health and fitness apps all the plus plus apps um use HealthKit in one way or another for example and i keep finding myself um going back and forth on whether or not i should take my all my sort of my health kit management and front end code um, that deals with, you know, pulling data in and out of HealthKit and authorizing things. And I should pull that out and turn it into, you know, some grand unified library to deal with HealthKit. Or if I should do what I have been doing right now, which is taking the approach of learning lessons each time I kind of implement it, but ultimately having custom tailored solutions for each of my apps. And I feel like this is one of those things where ultimately there's probably not a right answer. It's, it's sort of like a, like a, a Vi and Emacs kind of a problem where there's just different ways to do it. Because both sides, you always have these, these pros and cons. If you take something and make it super generic and um, like this is a great library that's super reusable, that's great in concept and can sometimes give you some great benefits in terms of, you know, if you find a bug, you can fix it for lots of different places. Um, but then you also have the downsides of now you have all these, these other complexity to manage in terms of if you make a change in your library, it could potentially affect all your apps at once and in ways that you aren't expecting. Um, you know, maybe one of the apps is expecting that bug to be there because, and it's sort of had coded around it or against it. And it can make things really complicated, but intellectually or academically, it seems like that's a better thing to have not repeat your code in, or similar code in multiple places. Or you can just be super pragmatic and say, like, each of these apps has the tailor-made solution for it. And in some ways, that seems really good. And so I keep going back and forth about it. And ultimately, I think I tend to almost always go on the side of just tailor tailoring a custom solution to each of my applications and like just giving myself permission to be okay with the fact that that means that i have like in my massive in my code base at large there are bits of code that are repeated um and just say like that's okay that that maybe that's not theoretically or academically the best but that kind of works for me Um, but i was curious to hear what you do marco because you obviously you don't have as many different apps as i do but you have built a number of apps for long enough that i imagine you have a lot of things that you could kind of turn into libraries um to and reuse them and how do you tend to approach doing that i mean so you're right you know like i don't really face it as much as you do um because i just don't have very many apps i'm working on at a given time but 
Uh, I do build up common libraries, frameworks, things like that, um, just over over time. I, th- I think many programmers do this, if not most. Uh, you know, I hesitate to say all because who knows what everyone else does, but I would guess this is very, very common that everybody kind of builds up their own kind of personal collection of utilities and things that they like to use. You know, there's always, as you said, like there's always this kind of balancing act where if you try to make something that is generic and reusable and and stable for use in multiple apps and everything and that handles all the various edge cases that any kind of different use could have um it it is a lot more work to make that thing like to to make whatever component that is it's more work and and you might never save that work like like you you might never reap the benefits of that because you might put all this effort into making something reusable and then never reuse it or reuse it like in one other place where like a copy paste would have been fine or reimplementation wouldn't have been that much work or whatever else. So there's there's the whole angle there of like whether you make something reusable and generic at all or not, or whether you just kind of, you know, stick it into your app in, in some kind of semi-orthogonal way that it's semi-generic and just kind of, you know, hope for the best and, and just keep going and get your work done. And so I find myself doing this with a small collection of things. So in Overcast, what I what I do is, so I have I have my public collection of open source utility things called FC Utilities for my my company Full City for Full City Utilities, and we'll talk about open source a little bit later. Uh, I've actually debated pulling it down and closing the source again just because maintaining it is kind of a pain in an open way, but uh, we'll get to that. So I have FC Utilities as like this kind of separate collection of generic utilities. And then in Overcast, I have a private, just, you know, just a folder, like a group in Xcode, just a folder of of files that I call FC Utilities Extras, which is like components that, that I make that I think might be reusable someday. It's kind of like a staging area before they go into the main library of like my open source and shared components. <laughs> kind of like a staging area of like things that, you know, I'm making this code that this might be useful. I might reuse this. I'm going to write it in a way that it could be reused. I'm going to write it in that kind of like generic, reusable, edge case compatible way of that of a level of quality that I would expect from that. But I might never release it or I might never use it anywhere else. So I kind of have this kind of middle area that, that helps me decide or that gives me a place to put things like that that are kind of, you know, in the middle or in a gray area or, or underdeveloped in that way. Um, and I do find myself needing to reuse things between uh, Overcast and occasional other things. So occasionally it might be something else on iOS, although that's rare because I don't usually uh, do multiple iOS apps at once. But uh, I, I, I do have now, as I've mentioned last episode, I am making a Mac uh, MP3 kind of toolkit app for putting chapters and podcasts and stuff. And so, because, so I am dealing with a lot of the same kind of low-level audio handling, uh, MP3 handling, reading and writing of chapter metadata, stuff like that. I am having a lot of things now where I need code reuse, and I have and I have faced this dilemma multiple times. Like, do I do I consolidate you know Overcast's tag reading thing into this tag reading thing and make it one thing, you know, and or do I do I share this low-level audio reading code or not? And then when I do want to share it, like. What are the mechanics of that? Do I just copy the the .c and .m file over, or the the, the .h and the .m file over, and uh, you know copy it into the new directory? I mean, that has a lot of advantages in simplicity and in lack of lack of 
you know, any kind of external dependency. Uh, but that also kind of sucks from a version control standpoint, uh, where if you if you then improve it in one place, the other one doesn't get that improvement. Or if you fix a bug, the other one doesn't get that bug. And you have to either just not backport it or manually switch it over, <laughs> copy it back. And obviously, we try to avoid those kind of hacks in programming these days because we know in we know as a as a practice that's generally a bad thing so then you do i make a library do i make uh an actual like do you do you actually use like dynamic libraries in uh in ios uh, i never have no like you can talk about things in like when you build stuff with carthage or yeah you could build them manually like i've never gone down that road because I, I always find myself thinking the inertia i have to overcome before it's like okay this is worth going through this process where now suddenly it's this like building my app is not just as simple as hitting build in xcode like there's there, now there's dependencies i need to manage and version control that i need to keep track of and if i want to rebuild a particular version of my app that's now a more complicated question it's not just like check out of git the particular you know the tagged version for that release and say like this is the code i also then need to make sure that it's pulling in the right dependencies and all that kind of stuff so i've never gone down that road but i know what you're talking about where like you turn it into something that's a much more you know into a, a concrete version like version of that dependency and say like this is the library that i'm going to add into my project yeah, I mean, I I generally have a kind of allergic reaction to any kind of overhead of fighting with my tools on things like things like module management and you know submodules, libraries, uh, any kind of like dependency managers. Like these things can so often become such massive time sinks and such pains in the rear, and a lot of times I don't feel like. The, the the benefit I'm getting by dealing with that is worth all that pain. You know, a lot of times I'm I feel like I'm just fighting the tools for like an hour or more uh, to just do something simple. Like, okay, I want to reuse this code in a way that is like you know academically sound, like <laughs> that is like principally sound. Uh, you know, so maybe maybe it's a Git submodule or a subtree, or maybe it's you know just requiring a second checkout that's like in in parallel with this one like you know at the top level directory like oh just just include dot dot slash utilities slash whatever and just require you to always have that checked out which is also a terrible solution uh and then you have you know whether you build it as a library or whether you just link it all in as you know from source files into every app that uses these things and there's all these kind of like technical and management um, different decisions you can make about how you incorporate code from other places, whether you just copy it in, you know, just copy the files in, or whether you do it, quote, properly with some kind of submodule or subtree or library kind of system. And it, again, it's just, it's so much overhead. And I just, so often when I do that, I feel like I'm just fighting the tools and moving paper around. I mean, it feels like administrative work. It doesn't feel like I'm actually producing much. And so often that work is not worth it because it brings on such an incredible level of complexity and and just fiddliness and fussiness and fragileness or fragility, whatever the word is, uh, to just something simple like, okay, I want to check out everything required to build this app from from the source repository, and then I want to build it. How hard is that? <laughs> like, how many steps yeah. does that take? And how many ways can that break? And so often when you get into some of these systems, it just gets unwieldy. 
Sure. And even you start to think about things where you say, oh, like, I don't actually do that. I mean, this is this is like the kind of thing that I'd say to myself a lot. Like, I, I'm, a one, I'm a one developer. I don't have to deal with like the a lot of the usual complexity even of if I have to check check this out and like get it building because, you know, when you have a, t- a larger team, keeping everybody on in sync is, is you know, a, tr- a much more difficult problem. But I certainly run into this situation a lot where say I'm going out of town for a week or for a couple of weeks or I'm going to WWDC or something like that. And I want to make sure that I can build my main apps, you know, when I'm on the road in case something comes up, you never know. And I mean, I've definitely done like, you know, release builds to the app store while I was on vacation because some weird situation occurred. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what I try to do, but that's certainly something I want to be able to do. And, you know, the worst thing that you can run into that situation is when you're doing that kind of work and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't have that file that I need from my main Mac because it wasn't checked into the main repository or something. And even just being a one man shop, I'll still run into that problem. And so, yeah, I always find it's this weird tension, too, where you I feel like there's so in so many things in programming, you have this this tension between doing it like the right way. <laughs> and the, the 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 supposed benefit of doing it the right way um like is that you'll it's like the in it's like in aggregate or over the course of the whole development project you'll end up better and like you'll thank yourself t- you know two years down the line when you've saved yourself all this time or hassle or saved all these bugs or issues like that's sort of like the promise that all this work um is sort of paid off by but like it's it's the weird thing of that it sounds good like when i was learning computer science in college or something where you kind of like or you get into like design patterns and it's like well i mean what you really should do is have this kind of really generic system by which you can have a factory that creates observers that are loosely coupled to your actual <laughs> mo- you know model objects and then you can dynamically change that in and out if you change database backends or like you can invent all these kind of systems that sound academically really cool and have these abstract benefits that are like tangible and sound sweet but i was so rarely i mean maybe there's a slight selection bias to it but like i don't think that's actually the case and this that I think more often than not, I've never really reaped those benefits down the road. Like, I don't look back and be like, oh, man, I'm so glad I went through all this effort to put all this, like, all these sort of, like, armatures in place to make my app work better rather than just coding and just putting it together. And certainly there's some amount of that that, like, this is the – it's probably kind of like if you're a chef or something something like that where the way – like, if you watch cooking shows and you watch chefs cut – vegetables with like ridiculously sharp knives ridiculously close to their fingers like they're it's not it's not the way that you teach your kid to cut vegetables in the kitchen you know for them you'd put you'd like hold it's like hold the carrot way on the other end and keep the knife far (laughs) away and maybe that's what you would need to do and you know when you're starting out programming it's where it's like it's everything's safer everything's a bit cleaner but as you get good at it like after you've been a professional developer for a long time, I feel like I kind of have this a more of an intuition for these types of problems where I look at it and sometimes I will make things more abstract or I'll pull things out. 
And sometimes I'll just copy paste the same function twice. Um, sometimes even in the same project, like I'll have this basic, you know, very similar functionality repeated a couple times. And it's like, I could take this and make it generic. But if I did that, I, I'm aware of all of the downsides of that and all the issues that are later going to come and bite me um, that are actually, and a lot often those issues are more like direct and practical rather than the kind of abstract benefits and things that I'm avoiding um, by being abstract. And I feel like there's that, like that intuition is the thing that's so unsatisfying to me about this because I, I wish I could put it into a rule. I wish I could say like, when this is, when you're doing this, like when you're, if you, if you're writing code that would like, I try to come up with rules, like would this make sense if Apple released it as a addition to foundation or an addition to UI kit? And like, if they would, like if that, if I could imagine Apple really adding something like that, then maybe it makes sense as a library. You know, like I run into this with like date comparisons or things like that. Like a lot of my apps have a concept of like, what's the start of today? What's the end of today? Like very basic date operations that I do a lot for, you know, like in pedometer saying like, which range of steps should I display? It's like, well, it's from the start of today till the end of today. And I kind of have pulled those into a bit of libraries because I would be entirely reasonable if NS date had a function on it that said start of start of date or end of date. And so that seems like that makes sense. But anything that wouldn't make sense that isn't like it's almost like you need maybe maybe the better rule is to say in order for it to make sense to have a generic solution, it has to be a generic problem rather than a generic solution to a specific problem or something like that. Like maybe that's kind of where I'm ending up as I'm talking this through for turning something into something that's a generic reusable thing only makes sense if it is a truly generic problem that it's trying to solve. Yeah, that, I'd say that's a very good rule. And we'll get into open sourcing and how that plays in in a second. Um, but I also just want to add a little bit just like to clarify a point you made a few minutes ago, which is like, I, th- I think, you know, we, we put in all this work to make things like correct the correct way to do things or like the, the professional way to do things a lot of this work of like avoiding duplication and trying to make things reusable and making things modules and, and all the work that goes into that it is it is kind of like to avoid this like boogeyman of future bugs and or future inconvenience even <laughs> like future manual labor we, we are all so averse to that that we're willing to put in a large amount of work now up front to prevent possible future work down the road. But a lot of times the amount of work required that we're doing up front is not worth it. Because like we, you know, we might have to put in lots of work now to avoid a potential future uh, inconvenience or bug that in reality will probably never happen. And we have to always keep in mind like, what is that balance? How, you know, are we re- is is what we're doing really you know demanding uh or is is the work we're putting in now really worth it compared to the the problem that we're going to avoid on the road like how bad will that pain be if it comes and is that is is that worth doing all this work now and spending all this time now anyway our sponsor today is CocoConf. The upcoming March 20th to 23rd CocoConf will be returning to Yosemite National Park for its third Yosemite event. I, man, I hear great things about these. I hope I can go this year. 
This event will be held again at Yosemite Lodge at the Falls in Yosemite National Park. Speakers include Ashley Nelson Hornstein, friend of the show David Smith. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, Andy Anatko, Matt Drance, Jamie Newberry, Brent Simmons, and Daniel Steinberg. That's a great lineup. Uh, sessions run in the mornings and evenings. Afternoons will be spent exploring Yosemite National Park with activities including ranger-led hikes, a bus tour of the valley, and a photo walk led by TED photographer James Duncan Davidson, also a great person. There will be music by James Dempsey and the Breakpoints, another great person, and Jonathan Song of Day Man. Man, these, this is a great lineup. You can use the code under the radar. That's once again code under the radar to save 20% on your tickets to Yosemite. Head on over to cococonf.com slash Yosemite to register. Man, that's a great event, great lineup. You anybody who can go to this should go. Cococonf.com slash Yosemite, code under the radar for 20% off. Thank you very much to Cococonf for sponsoring Under the Radar. So I want to talk a little bit about the role that open source has in common functionality, you know, open sourcing your common libraries, things like that. Uh, I have a little bit of experience with this, not a lot really, but a little bit with things like my database layer FC model, um, which is kind of like an alternative to core data that uses SQLite more directly. I also have, you know, as I mentioned, my open source utilities, FC utilities. One thing that's changed a lot for me recently is when GitHub um, recently switched their pricing model for private repositories. And it used to be that, you know, you could do as many repositories as you want in the open for free, but they had these paid plans and they were tiered based on how many private repositories you needed, plus a few other things that didn't affect me. So it's like, you know, you could pay X dollars a month for five private repositories. And then if you wanted six, you had to jump up to another price tier. So it basically had this incentive to not create very many private repositories. And they recently changed that so that now it's basically like if you pay them at all, you can create as many private ones as you want. So what I've been doing recently is for for these kind of, of you know small utility libraries or things like that, I've just been creating private Git repositories and then using submodules. And you know I mentioned earlier, submodules can be a big pain. But every alternative that people <laughs> that people have told me to use over over the last few months as I've been exploring the, this kind of functionality. I find every alternative to be either the same or worse in complexity. So here's here's my my top tips for using submodules. Number one, use Git Tower. It is an app. It's a GUI app for Mac and I think soon to be Windows. Uh, it's called Tower or Git Tower, depending on what page you look at. It's something like uh, I don't know, sixty bucks. Just get it. It is so much better than dealing with the command line for submodule management. Um, second thing I, that I recommend is you know, so use it to add your submodules for any. Git repository that you have any control over whatsoever, whatsoever, whether it's a fork of some public one or whether it's one of your own, always connect to it using the Git SSH URL. Don't use the HTTPS URL. If you do those things, if you use Git Tower and always use the Git SSH checkout URLs, then you get this amazing balance of functionality where you you have all these submodules in your project. You can easily check them all out at once using Tower because for some reason Git doesn't do that by itself because I don't know why because Git is, it's just, Git is just obtuse and hard to use by itself. Uh, but then you can... So you have like version stability because it's part of your checkout is what version of all these things you're using. And then if you want to work on one of those submodules from that checkout, from within the app that is using it, you just change the file. You just make the edit and you just go into Git Tower, go into that submodule and commit it. 
and you can do all that without having to like all right first back out to my main checkout of this thing and do the edit there and then copy it back or whatever it's so much better and i've tried so many other ways to do this and believe me the other ones are mostly terrible if you're using if you're if you're doing a lot of code reuse uh, especially if it's mostly your own code and especially if it's private code git submodules with private git repositories managed by git tower is fantastic whoa yeah sorry <laughs> yeah no that's uh it's I've my my only experience with submodules has always just been I try it for like a couple hours to try and get something to work and then I just give up and yeah. <laughs> copy, like check it out copy the files over and move on with my life. Yeah, I mean just so. never touch the command line when it comes to git submodules. Like and and you know I I I am command line heavy with so many things. Like I I mentioned before like I I always use MySQL MySQL I always use that through the command line. I never use you know GUI apps to to do MySQL stuff. Um, I I will use the command line for almost everything that can be done by the command line, but I I've slowly converted over to using Tower for any kind of Git operation, and it is just once you once you just give in and just do it for everything, it's so much nicer. It's really great, and for the submodules things, do do as I said before, and it's great. Um, open sourcing, and we have a few more, few minutes left about this. Have you done any open sourcing? I've never open sourced anything, not a thing. So as I mentioned, I've only open sourced a couple things. Um, I I've had mixed success. I would say FC Model, my database layer, has been the most successful open source project, and it doesn't even have that much for that much uh, external contribution or external bug bug reporting. There's only, as far as I can tell, there's only a handful of people even using it. the The main problem, the main challenge with open sourcing things is that there is a cost to doing it. You are you are adding work for yourself by open sourcing things. You are you are exposing yourself to possible liabilities of weirdness of, you know, legal stuff or functionality stuff or hacking stuff. That that's not too much of a concern for most people. Um, but it's mainly that you're just adding work for yourself. Uh, and you also might be giving advantages to your competitors, but that's also kind of, you know, not really a concern for most people for the kind of things you'd be open sourcing. And I have found that the the value you get out of open sourcing of, oh, you'll have other people contributing improvements and fixing bugs and maybe fixing security problems, that only happens if you're open sourcing something that a lot of other people will need and use. And for most stuff that you're going to be open sourcing, that just doesn't happen. And so, like, I open sourced my FC Utilities, like, utility library, as I mentioned earlier, and one of the reasons I thought about closing it back down is just because... I don't really get anything out of that. Like almost no one else uses it, but occasionally I get like a pull request to change something. And usually it's a change that I might not even need. And so this is just more work for me or adding functionality that I wouldn't do or that I don't need or that that is done in a way that I wouldn't have done it. Um, and it's just kind of like, what's the value there really? And And most people don't need your personal utilities. Most people have their own personal utilities. And, they, and so like it's, it only makes sense if you're going to be open sourcing something that that like a good number of people will use. Otherwise, the benefit to you as the person doing the work and taking the risk of open sourcing it is really small to non-existent. And so I found that generally speaking like most of the most of the stuff I write would not benefit from being open sourced. And that's also why like, you know, completely open sourcing an application is not incredibly useful for most people. Um, you know, it's just like there, there's just there's lots of nuance to like what makes a good open source or what makes a useful open source project. And it's not always what you think and it's mainly comes down to like am I open sourcing a component that a lot of people will actually need and that they will find and choose to use mine. And if the answer to that is no, if you have like limitations on your time and stuff, it's probably not worth it. But when the answer to that is yes, 
it is pretty nice. And, you know, for the most part, you do have the risk of like, you know, you're going to get pull requests. You're going to have to deal with them. You're going to like, the, it, it is going to add work, but hopefully it's also going to add some kind of value if you get enough people to use it. But as I said, that's a huge if. And of the, I don't know, five or 10 things I've open source, uh, I've open source so far, only one of them has really gotten that and only just barely. So uh, it's, it, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, because I think the re- the biggest reason that I've never really gone down the road of open sourcing things is that tension of if it's uh, if it's un- if it's unique enough to be useful to someone else, then there's a good chance it's something that I wouldn't want to open source. Like it's a, something that's kind of unique to what I the way that I approach things, or is part of what makes my app special, right? And so it's like say I'm imagining something like your smart speed system in Overcast, right? I'm sure there would be many people who would love to use that in their applications if it were open sourced, but the nature of open sourcing it like completely diminishes the value of it to your own application. And so that weird tension in open source is like, if it's super cool and interesting and other people would want to use it, then you may not want to then give it to them because it's special and unique and kind of something you want to hold on to a little closer. Like it's more of a trade secret in that way. And then the things that are not that special are not that unique to, to yourself that you then would be fine to open source, maybe aren't as useful. Like you're, if you're adding, you know, it's like, hey, I have this way that I do little like HUD pop-ups. It's like, great, but there's also like 10 of those already. And exactly. that's a weird process of circular problem that you kind of run into, at least anytime I've ever thought about it. And so usually I just say, you know... That's that's not for me. And I don't really use much open source in my apps. I just tend to just kind of like write it myself and it works for me. Yeah, it's always a balance to strike. And, you know, just like just like any kind of, you know, code reuse situation, like there's a balance to strike here. There is no one answer all the time. And uh, that's incredibly useful information, I'm sure, for everybody. <laughs> the answer is it depends. It depends. But hopefully you can make an, a slightly more informed decision uh, about exactly why it depends. Exactly. All right, we're out of time this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.